0: What does it mean to be in tune with things? What does it mean to uh, be aware of things and understand things and to comprehend things that are going on around you and are going on I remember um, this is I'm dating myself when we had old TVs with the antennas before the, the era of cable. And you had to with the antennas you had to tune the antenna to make sure you have clear picture on your on your TV. And with the radios as well, you had to um, tune in the radio so that you wouldn't get, um, uh, so you would get a clear channel, especially with the AM stations. And so it was more difficult because there was a lot of static that would go on, and so you couldn't be able to hear things. Well, today we're going to be looking at um, being in tune with Jesus. Being in tune with what he says and what he's what he is doing, and walking in the in the way that he shows us and being in tune with how he leads us and guides us. We're con- continuing in our series in the Gospel of Mark, and we're finishing up chapter one today, and it's going, we're going to be looking at verses 29 through 45. So, Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 45, and follow along with me as I read. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew, with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to her, they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak, because they knew who he was. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place, and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. He said to them, Let us go somewhere else to town nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. And a leper came to him, beseeching him, and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing to be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter his city, but stayed out in the unpopulated areas and they were coming to him from everywhere. May God add the blessing to the reading of his word. We're going to be looking at um, three specific points here today. Simon's mother-in-law is healed. He healed many, and a leper is cleansed. Um, Jesus, uh, today we're going to be looking at Jesus um, beginning to heal. We're going to be looking at Jesus uh, casting out demons, and we're going to be seeing Jesus heal of leprosy. With all these things, he was um, in tune with what his father was saying, and in tune with the the Holy Spirit of God. So, um, looking at our first point, Simon's mother-in-law is healed. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue, verse 29, uh, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So, we see here that this was dovetailing right after what had happened last week. Where were they? They were were in the synagogue, it was was the Sabbath, and they were teaching, and Jesus was teaching, um, this was him publicly teaching in the synagogue to the people. And so immediately after they left the synagogue, um, you see some things happening. They came to the house of where? Um, Andrew, Simon and Andrew, with James and John. So this is, remember, Simon and Andrew were who? Were brothers. And James and John were brothers as well. So we see two pairs of brothers here. And they're coming into Simon's and Andrew's house where Simon's mother-in-law was residing. And so we see here, now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever. So here she was, sick in the bed with a fever. And of course they don't have medicine like they do, like we do today, medical technology like they do, um, like we have today. But she had a fever, and she was sick. And they were distressed about that. Now here was her, Peter's mother-in-law was, well Simon at this point. Uh, was uh, she was really sick, she wasn't feeling well. And so Peter was concerned, so what did they do? And immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. So what was the first response? Here they they left the synagogue, here they come into Simon um, and 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 Andrew's house, and there Peter's mother-in-law is sick. So what's the first thing that they do? What's the first thing that they immediately do? They spoke to Jesus about her. In other words, they told Jesus. Was Jesus unaware that she was sick? Jesus knew. But, the priority there was, is that they, they felt that they needed to make Jesus aware of what was going on. They wanted Jesus to intervene in her life. Now they have been ministering with Jesus previously, had not they? You saw last week where there were some, where there were some things going on there where he was um, doing ministry and doing work and supernatural miracles uh, prior to this. So they're well aware of what Jesus was able to do. They're well aware of what Jesus is able to accomplish and the power that Jesus has. Right? So. They knew that, hey, here's Peter's mother-in-law, so let's ask Jesus to intervene in the situation. That's really critically important. Um, asking Jesus to intervene in a situation. Sometimes, you know, especially Peter, Peter is, in his own mind, sometimes he's he likes to do things on his own. He's a self-made man. I can do this. I can do this. I can accomplish these things. He's a big, burly fisherman, and he's able to accomplish things and do things on his own. And sometimes that type of attitude can get us in trouble. But at this moment, Peter recognized that there was, and Jesus, having spent time with Jesus, having seen Jesus, and seeing what Jesus could do, what Jesus was able to do, immediately they did what? They... Ask Jesus to heal, to, to intervene with his mother. Look at our situations in life. Look at our circumstances in life that we often face. And we see that um, some of these situations that we're in are dire, they're difficult, they're things that, you know, we we can't handle on our own. We like to think that we can. We like to think that we can accomplish things on our own, but we can't. So what do we need to do? What's the first thing that we need to do? What would what the disciples need to do? They asked Jesus to intervene, right? That should be our first course of action. That should be our first, asking Jesus to intervene. Not that we don't seek medical attention, if there's if it's a medical need or other need, if there's other ways that we can, if we can have intervention to help in the situation, we should, and we, we should avail ourselves of those things. But at the same time, when there's no, when there's no other, when, when there's other, result, when Jesus is available, which he is always available, we should always seek him as well. Immediately seek Jesus, right? Seek Jesus to intervene. Because when he intervenes, he's in control, right? It takes us out of the driver's seat and puts Jesus in control We say, okay, Jesus, I can't handle the situation. I don't know how to do it, but I believe you. As Shell's saying, uh, do what you are famous for. In other words, what did the disciples, what did the, the disciples see, the apostles see prior to this? Jesus casting out demons, doing miracles. So Jesus, we're seeking you to do what you're famous for, do what you show yourself to do. Right? That's what that song was about. To enter, ask Jesus to intervene in our situation, our circumstance. Think about the circumstances and situations that we're in. And we face some really dire, difficult, um, really challenging circumstances and situations which we cannot deal with on our own, which we cannot fix. And who do we need to intervene for us in those situations and those circumstances? Jesus, right? So we need to ask him to intervene. That's where prayer comes in, right? It may not be this long, drawn-out prayer of on our knees for hours, but it may be a simple prayer. Jesus, I need you now. Please intervene. Maybe be driving in your car. You might be in a shower. You might be wherever. But you ask Jesus, I can't handle it. Jesus, this Jesus, is bigger than me and I need you to intervene, right? And he does. And what did he do? In verse 31, And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited at him. Okay? So we see here, And he came to her and raised her up. So, when they came to Jesus, when they came, Jesus answered their prayer, didn't he? In this particular circumstance. In this particular situation. He came, he touched her, and he took her by the hand, and he raised her up. So sometimes the fever can be debilitating. Meaning that you don't feel like it, it saps all the energy out of you. For which Jesus brought the healing, for you through, brought the rebirth, the life, and we know well. And I think that that's what's really important is that when we seek Jesus, we can trust Him and believe Him to do that which um, we can't do ourselves, right? To what we can't accomplish, and He will. He will. He can do. He can do. He can do the miracles. He can do the supernatural. He can do that which we can't. Understand, He can do that which we are incapable of doing. He's able to do that. Um, and the fever left her and she waited on How do you think Peter felt that? How do you think Simon, how do you think, well Simon felt? How do you think the other disciples felt about that? How do you think he felt about that? I think that they were pretty astonished. Saying that Jesus has power to be able to heal, to make well, and to make full. That was just another testimony for the disciples, for the apostles to see that Jesus, their God, was king. Who is this God? Who is he? Who is he? It's Jesus. But one of the other things it shows me, and we're going to see this a little bit further, but it shows just the compassion of Jesus. Shows the compassion if he is your Peter's mother-in-law. And what did he do? Showed compassion for Peter. Showed compassion for his mother-in-law and brought And that's what he does for us. So I just I know that Jesus is a compassionate God, he's a gracious God. And don't always understand his way, but he's a compassionate, gracious God and desires to heal. So let's go here. Let's let's continue on here. Um, Let's look at our um, and this is and one of the things here though is that I thought was really important that the Lord was just showing me as well is that um, it says that immediately they left and they came out of the synagogue. Now that that the Lord just reminded me at this point, it's critically important that we as believers, you you know how I talk about being in tune, being in tune with God and with His Spirit. Um, It's important that Jesus was perfectly in tune with the Father's will, the Father's purpose and the Father's direction. Because what happened here, it says here in verse 29, and immediately after they came out of the synagogue, where'd they go? They went to Simon's house. Jesus knew that Simon's mother-in-law was there, but that God's timing is always perfect. And that's where we need to be in tune with God's time. We need to be in tune with God's Spirit, with the Spirit saying, with the Spirit doing. Jesus was, and so should we. We should be in tune with what, okay Jesus, I hear you, I'm tuning in right now, I'm turning that dial so I can hear you clearly to get rid of this static, to get rid of the um, things that are blocking me from hearing you clearly from that music coming through or that, that voice coming through clearly I'm tuning those other things out, and I'm hearing you so that I can move immediately. If you say go, I'm gonna go. If you do, I'm gonna do. And so Jesus immediately left He and went to the house. God's perfect timing. And that's what it, the way it is with us. When we move and when we live, it's within God's perfect timing as well. We need to be aware and in tune with God. Okay, But our second point, he healed many. Verses 32 through 39. And when evening came after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. Okay, so again, this is timing, perfect timing. What happened? Jesus brought healing to Peter's mother-in-law, didn't he? Right prior to this. So here it was, it was still what day of the week? It was the Sabbath, it was a Saturday. And so they really weren't supposed to be doing anything on the Sabbath, so what did the people do? When does the Sabbath end? For the Jews, it, it ends at when? sunset. So once the sun went down, which ended the Sabbath, the people started bringing who? People there. Those who were sick and those who need healing. And immediately they came to, um, and, 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 and they brought, and what did they do? It, people began to bring all who were ill and demon-possessed. At the first moment of the sunset, as soon as Sabbath was over, he didn't wait a second, they came and they started bringing all who were ill and demon-possessed. So they, not only were the disciples aware of Jesus, not only were the disciples knew what was going on with Jesus, but, um, the people did too. They saw what Jesus was capable of doing. They saw what Jesus was capable of doing. And that was really, we need to know what Jesus is capable of doing. We need to know that Jesus is aware and what he's doing all the time. Do we see what Jesus is capable of doing? Have we seen miracles in our lives? I have in my personal life. We all have, I'm sure, at some point or another in our lives, have seen miracles that Jesus has done in our lives. Our lives are, our lives are miracles. If, we, if we've given Jesus our lives, and we, um, uh, we've uh, become born again, and we confess confessed our sin to him, and we've invited him to come into our life, and we become his children, that's a miracle in itself, isn't it? That we're changed. That we're changed. At that moment, when we receive Jesus. That's a miracle. There have been other miracles in our lives that Jesus has performed that he's shown us, that we've seen. So is he capable of doing things, miracles? Is he capable of? Yes. We've seen it. I've seen it. We've all, there's others out there that have seen it. So he's aware of that. And so these people knew that. And so we need to be aware and cognizant and remind ourselves of what Jesus has done and is capable of doing. Again, to go back to that hymn, do what you were famous for. Those are things that we know that Jesus has done. He saved me. He changed me. He healed me. That's a miracle. He saved us. He healed us. He heals us, and is healing us. That's a miracle, isn't it? Isn't it? It is. We've seen that, and we're aware of that. We're testimony. and we're, uh, we're, we're we have a testimony to that. That's what a testimony is. A testimony is proclaiming what that which we see Jesus do in our lives, in our lives. So we see here, um, the people see it, and so what they start doing, they start bringing people to Jesus, the ill, those who are sick, those who are demon possessed, and start bringing them to Jesus. And now here's Simon's house, and now there's a big crowd outside his door. Could you imagine that if you're outside your house? You're outside there and you're um, out there and, and, and you're at your home and all of a sudden all these people come with all these needs. How would you feel? Would you feel kind of overwhelmed? I think I would be. I think because here you are in your home and there you have all these people out there and they're wanting you to touch them and to heal them and to uh, do you know things for them. But Jesus didn't respond. Jesus knew what his purpose was. Jesus knew what the Father had called him to do. And the people weren't a burden for him. And that's what's important, folks. That's what we need to remember, is that Jesus, we're never a burden for Jesus. We're never a burden for Jesus. And And with our needs and with our cares and with the things that he comes with, we're never a burden. Were people a burden for Jesus? No. Are we ever a burden for Jesus? will we present our needs to Jesus? Absolutely not. And we need to be aware of that. We're never, ever, ever, ever a burden for Jesus. And the needs that we have. Because He is able to do things, and we know that He is able to do things, that are beyond what we can do. And we're just appealing to Jesus and his mercy. And saying, Jesus, I can't do it. Jesus, I can't do it. Jesus, I can't do it. Please, show me mercy. And that's what these people, people were doing. They wanted those who were in control, the, demon, the demons that were in control of, of their loved ones, people that were sick, that had bodily um, uh, bodily diseases and things that were going on, Jesus was able, they presented him, and they believed that Jesus could heal them. And they believed that Jesus was going to show them mercy by healing them. So, and early in the morning, while it was still dark, okay, so they brought them and when knew, Jesus, they knew who he was. Um, and it says, he healed many bears, and he cast out many demons. He was not permitting the demons to speak. Okay. So, you see here that Jesus shows compassion to people. He's willing to heal people and heal them of their diseases. He's willing to uh, cast out the demons and he's willing to uh, bring life. But the demons, what did the demons try and do? The demons tried, um, because the demons were trying to speak. demons were trying to speak because they were trying to uh, say who Jesus was. But they were doing with the wrong intention. And Jesus knew that. And so Jesus being God, did what? Had the power over the demons and he did not permit them to speak. Because they were trying to circumvent and do what Jesus was trying to do there. And wh- what did demons do? Demons are liars just like Satan's a liar. And they'll speak things and they'll speak things that are not right and they'll distort things in order to restore the truth, the truth of God. And so Jesus will not allow them to speak, will not allow them to have a place there in what God is trying to do. Because if they do, if you allow if he allowed them to then he was allowing them to circumvent God's plan, and God's purpose for what's going on. And that's what and, 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 and that's often what the enemy tries to do. Jesus has power over what? He has power over disease. He has power over uh, uh, that which uh, needs healing. He also has power over the mind spirits. He has power over uh, Satan. Why? Because he's God, right? Is he not? Is Jesus not God? Is he, was a man? Yeah, Jesus was a man. He was fully man. And he was fully God and he was fully man. And he has power and authority over the enemy. So he can command the demons. And demons have to. It's not a matter of a choice. They have to obey him. They have to obey him. Because he is what? God. The almighty. The creator and sustainer of all things. And they have to obey him. And one of the things is, is that who lives in us? Jesus through who? Through the Holy Spirit. Who lives in us? What does the scripture say? Greater is he that is in you than what? Than he that is in the world, right? Doesn't doesn't the Bible tell us that? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Right? The enemy tries to speak all the time. But who lives inside of us? Who dwells inside of us? Jesus through his Holy Spirit, right? Right? He does. And we, by God's grace, have the power to circumvent his lies. And what and what is he? He tries to tell us lies, right? He tries to tell us lies all the time, tries to tell us mischiefs. What does the scripture say? And Jesus talks about this in many other places. We can't. We can't shut the mouth of Satan, ourselves. But, through the power of who? The power of Jesus, we can. With the scriptures, Jesus says, says, tells us, there's instruction, He says, the Lord, in Hebrews talks about this, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. We don't have the power in ourselves. Satan, Satan looks at, will look at you and say, who you? But, when we say, and we go in the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord of hosts, which indicates power, the Lord with you. And, you. and you don't allow the enemy to speak. You don't allow the enemy to intervene. You don't allow the enemy into the situation where he'll try to kill. What is his purpose in doing things in the situation? He's here. He comes to kill, steal, and what? Destroy. Doesn't he? He does. He comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. His purposes are malevolent all the time. His purposes are to take out our lives. His purposes are to thwart the plan, to try and thwart the plans of God. But we have the power of God within us through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit. And we can rebuke him from intervening in circumstances and situations. And when temptations come, he say, well, God said, you can do this. But we say, no, it is written, God said this. And we can rebuke the enemy in the power and the might of the Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and dwells mightily within each one of us. Jesus knew that power and knew that authority and the same Jesus that walked that earth lives and dwells in us through the Holy Spirit, doesn't he? And we have that same power. Let's go on here. Verse 35. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. I wonder where Jesus got his power from. What do you do first thing in the morning? What did he do? In early in the morning while it was still dark this is before sunrise what did he do? Jesus got up and left the house and went away to a secluded place and he did what? And he prayed. Well, he was God. He didn't need to pray. He had a direct line of communication with the Father. He didn't need to pray. Yes, he did. Because that prayer because that prayer was his communication with his Heavenly Father. Jesus was in communication with the Heavenly Father all the time, but there were specific times where Jesus knew where he just had to be alone with the Father, where he just had to have time with the Father, where he could recharge, where he could get refreshed, where he could get replenished in the energy and the strength and the the power that he needed in order to continue the work that God had called him to do, and to be in tune with what the Father was doing. Remember how I talked about being in tune? How did Jesus become in tune? By spending time with the Father in prayer. where did Jesus get his power from? From the Father, but it was from times of prayer, and times where he was with the Father. And that's so critically important for us, folks. If we want to know what God's purpose is, if we want to know what God's will is, if we want to know what God's direction is, if we want to walk in, the, what does the scripture says, walk in the Spirit and not, and you will not fulfill what the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. It's the spirit that gives life to flesh what accomplishes nothing. So when we're praying, and we're in tune with what God's doing, and we're hearing what He's saying, and He's infusing us with, and he's us with His power, and He's filling us with His power, and He's filling us with His very presence in our lives, what happens? We're in tune, and we're walking in power. So when the enemy comes, and the enemy tries to circumvent what God's doing, and the enemy's got the plan going, he's trying we are we're right there, aren't we? Aren't we? We're ready. Like Ephesians 6. Putting on the full armor of God, right? We're ready. We know the Word. We've been with Jesus. His Spirit is working in us. He's leading us. We're hearing His voice. And He's telling us, go over here. Make a right here. Make a left. Make a left here. Go straight. Wait a minute. Wait here for me. Say this. Don't say this. Go here. Don't go here. Right? Do it when I tell you to do it. He says, and early in the morning, is, and they found him, and they said to him, everyone's looking for you. Was Jesus aware, was Jesus aware that people were looking for him? Yeah, sure. Were the needs there that um, people had that um, weren't that's the word concerning. Yes, there were. There were needs there. People were looking for him because they had needs. Right? People will always have needs, won't they? People will always have needs. There will always be needs. As long as there's people around them, there'll always there will always be needs. And God's aware of those things. And he's aware of things in our own lives. But Jesus is fully aware as well that sometimes having time with the Father, having time with His heavenly Father to hear what He's saying and to um, get revived in His power and His strength and His might in us takes precedent over the needs of others. Because if He doesn't have prayer, He doesn't have that communication with the Father. He doesn't infuse with the Father. He's not. He's not infused with the Father. He's not right there with the Father. He's not going to be able to meet the needs of the people. Right. So that's really important. That. Um, we need that time. There are needs out there, and there's always going to be needs. But sometimes, the time of God, time being with Him, supersedes and takes precedence over the needs of those things that are pressing in and around us. Because there's always going to be needs. There's always going to be needs. But time of God is always going to have to take precedence. Because we can get worried, and we can get flustered, and we can get distracted by so many other things. But we have to carve out time where we're spending time with our Father, and listen to this. This is so critically important. Verse thirty-eight. He says, and he, he said to them, "Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby, so that I may preach there also." But that is why, I, this, this is what I came for. How did he know that? Let's go somewhere else. That, Admit, aren't there needs there? Aren't there needs in that town, right? Obviously, there was people that got healed there. But Jesus was so what? After he had said he said this where, after he had time with the Father in prayer, let's go somewhere else, in a nearby town, it's time and preach, and there also for that what I came for. He was in tune with what? With the Father, wasn't he? He heard what the father was saying. The father was saying, okay, we've done our work here. There's other towns out there that need to have your touch. You need to have your work. You need to have your hand. So we're done here, so let's go to these other towns. Think about that. How did Jesus hear that? By having one. By having time with him. See, he was in tune. He was in tune. He was in tune with what the Father said. He's in tune with what the Spirit led. How the Spirit was reading. Our work is done. We need to go and we need to move on. I think a good example here is that back in the Old Testament, back in the in, in, when children of Israel were in the desert, that um, um, God has set up a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day and when the cloud stayed there that's when the people stayed there in the, in the midst and when the pillar of fire was there at night that's when the people stayed there but if the cloud moved or if the fire moved then the people moved and they, and they followed God's direction because was, their time there was done, and they were going to move on to where God was showing them to go, and where God was telling them to lead, and where God was calling them to do. It was time to move. They were going to move with His direction. The pillar of fire and the cloud, right? So, the same thing here, the same principle is here, is when the Holy Spirit tells us to move, and to go on to t- something different, we need to be able to do that, right? You need to hear His voice. And say, okay, now, because we spent time with Him, it's time to go on and do what He's telling us to do, and to follow His lead and follow His direction. If you miss out, and I've done this before, if, I, if we stay too long where we're not supposed to be, or we don't follow God's lead, and we go when God tells us to go, we're going to miss out on what God has. And that's why we need to follow his lead and follow his direction. And do what he tells us to do, when he tells us to do it, where he tells us to go. Right? And that's so very, very, very important. Friends. Very, very, very important. Let's go on here. And then verse 39, He went out to the synagogues, throughout Galilee, preaching and casting out the other demons. So he followed through with his father's instructions in he? He, followed, he went into the synagogue throughout Galilee, not just at one town, but throughout Galilee, that region of Galilee, preaching and casting out the demon. So he followed through on what his father told him to do. His father told him instruction to go, and what did he do? He followed immediately, followed the father's instruction, important that we follow the father's instruction, just like Jesus did. Let's go on to our third and final point. A leper is cleansed. A leper came to Jesus beseeching and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean." The leper, so in other words, Jesus had been going around, he'd been preaching, he'd been teaching, he'd been healing. And so the leper, which was um, a skin disease where um, your skin, all your skin would eventually fall off and not treated, and limbs would fall and digits would fall off like fingers and toes and it was not a very pleasant disease. And and based on the law, lepers were that um, they could not be in public, I mean they could not be around other groups of people because it was a highly contagious disease. And as a result of that, they had to yell out, unclean, 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 according to the Jewish law. So they were, not only were they physically um, uh, ostracized, from, from having uh, um, interaction with other people, but socially as well because they could not be around other people and they, and they were socially, they, people looked at them as outcasts because of this disease. Nothing due to their own doing that just happened, that they, that, or that happened, they, they had this disease and there was not a whole lot that they could do because they were not cure for it. So they were physically not able to do anything about the disease, but socially they were distanced from people and weren't able to have any relationship. So, but the leper saw what Jesus was able to do. He came to him beseeching him, the Lord, please, 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 can you do something He saw what Jesus was able to do, and he was able to do it. And so he came to him. Um, if you can make me well, on his knees. If you're willing, you can make me clean. So he believed Jesus could do it. He came to him on his knees. Jesus, please, please, Jesus, please. If you're willing. So part of faith is number one. Is is is. is being able to believe that Jesus can do it. He believed Jesus can do it. But also the other part is that if you're willing. If you're willing. And so he, he came to Jesus not only in faith, but he came to him in humility. And sometimes we have to come to Jesus in humility as well. Not demanding of Jesus. There are some teachings out there, Bible, biblical teachings that we demand we speak to Jesus saying, You have to do this. No, He doesn't have to do it. We come to Jesus in humility, saying, Jesus, if you're willing. What does what is the Lord's Prayer say? Um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So, we come to Jesus believing in faith, but also we come to him and you know they say, Jesus, if you're willing to do it, you can do it. If you're willing. But that's the kind of attitude we need to come to him with. Jesus, if you're willing to do this. And and it says here that Jesus was moved with compassion. Does Jesus move with compassion without us? Yes he does. He's moved he moved he he with compassion for this Man with leprosy. He was moved with compassion for this man. He's moved with compassion for each one of us. Sometimes folks look at Jesus as, I, and I look at this sometimes, at God in the past, where we look at God being me. And not of me, God. God. He's a compassionate, gracious God. He loves us and cherishes us deeply, He really does. Showing us mercy and showing us compassion. And this is so important. So important. Is that Jesus wants to show us of mercy and compassion, and need to receive them. But then also, as well, this is a little more known, God's compassionate with us, and we need to be compassionate with others, and show mercy to others. If others have needs that we can meet, that we're able to meet, people come to us, let's show them compassion, let's show them mercy. Not get angry, not get upset, it's like they're like a bird. Show mercy and compassion. And immediately the leprosy left in verse 42. And, he was and Jesus is able to heal from her leprosy. And this is really important on this life. He said to him, see that no, you say nothing to anyone but go show yourself to the priest all reclaming that Moses commanded as a testimony to him. So what, what did Jesus do? There's a certain, for those who were unclean with, with disease, various diseases, there was a prescription in the Jewish law, and the, the law of Moses, that stated that you need to go, once you were cleansed, you need to go and show yourself to a priest and offer sacrifices prescribed by the law to show that you were clean as a testimony to you. Okay? So that's what Jesus told them to do according to the law. Jesus was left following the law. But he wanted them to show them to the priests and to the religious leaders what God had done um, and that he was following the law of what he was supposed to do, of of him being cleansed. Because even though Jesus had done miracles thought there was still skepticism among the religious leaders. And so this would have been a testimony to them of the work of God And that Jesus was the one who was following the law. But, and those were specific instructions that Jesus had given them. But what did he do? Verse 45, he said to him, say nothing to anyone. Okay, but what did he go ahead and do? In verse 45, he went out and began to proclaim freely. So he didn't follow Jesus' instructions. I'm sure he was excited, but still, he didn't follow Jesus' instructions. And spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no public go enter into the sea. But stayed in non areas and they were coming down to him from everywhere. Jesus, when Jesus gives instructions, they're for a purpose and they're for a reason. And as a result of this man not following Jesus' instructions, number one, not only did the priests not get to see the testimony. Of what God had done but that Jesus could no longer go into populated areas because this man didn't follow Jesus' instructions. Jesus wanted to keep things low-key, he didn't want to bring a lot of attention to himself so that he could go to people and he could heal people and he could go into the towns so that he wouldn't get overwhelmed with people but yet this man didn't follow the instructions and went out and proclaimed about Jesus about all his work, he didn't go to the priest, he didn't show the priest what he had done. Completely did the opposite of what, I'm sure he was excited about what had happened to him. But as a result of that, he tri- he was hindering the work of God. When we follow, we, tr- when we when Jesus gives us instructions, when we hear what he tells us to do, we need to follow those ins- instructions explicitly. Where to go, when to go, and how to do. It. Not making our own plan, not making, not being, uh, using our own ingenuity, but using God's direction, using God's plan and God's purpose, lest we lest we go and do we uh, we uh, deter what God is trying trying to deter what God is trying to do and His work and His people. When He gives us instructions. It's for a reason, for a purpose. So let's follow those instructions, so that we can be a, so we can be um, an asset rather than a hindrance to God's purpose and plan. Right? I want to be an asset to God's purpose and plan. Right? I hope you do too as well. I don't want to be a hindrance. I want to be an asset. So let's follow His direction. Follow what He's saying. Tuning into what He's saying being used by Him, following if He tells us to go here, we go here if He tells us to do this, we do this let's take time and spend time in prayer hearing what He's saying, getting empowered by His Holy Spirit, being used by Him if He tells us to get up and go, we go if He tells us to go here, we do it if He tells us to do this, we do it if He tells us to stop, we do it if He tells us you do something specific, we do exactly what He tells us to do. And we see the blessing and we reap the reward of what He has for us in our lives, and others receive the reward as well, right? God's got a wonderful plans for each one of us. But it requires us as a people to be in tune with Him and following what He says and telling us and doing what He tells us to do. Amen? But He's able to do he's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask of that according For his power does what works with us okay let's be used by your mind, okay? let's pray Father thank you Almighty God for your word that brings life that brings hope that brings encouragement and Father we ask oh God that you would just help us to be in tune with what you're saying help us to be obedient help us to be used by you Follow your directions, to follow your lead, to go where you say to go, to hear what you say tell us to do, O oh God, to, um, to um, be used to uh, over the enemy, the power over the enemy, oh God, to be have your strength, to have your power, to have your compassion, to have your mercy, uh, to and to be used mightily to uh, uplift your work, to promote your work, to promote your plan and your purpose. So please help us, O God. We pray we're frail, we're weak, we need you desperately. Help us to choose that which is right. Help us to listen to you today, O God. Do supernatural work through us and healing, bring life, bring restoration, we pray. And we thank you, Father, and we love you, and we worship you. And in Jesus' precious and holy and wonderful name. Amen. And Father, we pray, uh, uh, let's pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we also forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Father, we miss your people now with your peace, with your joy, and your very presence and power operating in our lives. In, in Jesus' name.